Yo, have you ever accidentally told someone you love them in a goodbye? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah, all right. Talk to you later. Love you. <laughs> like, oh, I just say that out of habit all the time. I've never done that, but someone, so I was talking to, she was like the secretary at work and, and she's like, all right, all right. Talk to you later. Bye. Love you. I'm like, love you too. I'm like, <laughs> You're listening to Working Code with your hosts, one of whom probably just wrote a new JavaScript library, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. Okay, here we go. It is show number 66. And on today's show, Carol's back. Hi, Carol. Guess, guess who's back? Back again. <laughs> Carol's back. With the tell, tell a, a friend. Tell a friend. Woo! <laughs> I was going to say with a friend, but there's nobody here. I'm alone. Oh. Mm. <laughs> and on today's show, <laughs> we're going to talk about making meetings suck less. But as usual, we're going to start with our triumphs and fails. And Carol, welcome back. You can go first. Yay. I'm going to go with the triumph. So I missed last week because I had the pageant. We were in rehearsals and planning and there was just no way to accomplish everything. So something had to give. And I'm sorry, you guys, you were the thing that I gave up. So, (laughs) but it was for a good cause. We ended up raising almost $4,000 or actually over $4,000. We raised over $4,000 for instruments for the band program at the school. And we gave away almost $2,000 in scholarships to young ladies. So yeah, it really went well. We were struggling for volunteers up front and somehow just everything just fell into place. Things just were delivered. They were where they were supposed to be. Everything went smoothly. My kid walked along the catwalk and, you know, helped with lights and Steve helped with lights and people just did things. And it was grand. I loved it. (laughs) Very cool. Wins. What about you, Ben? I'm going to go with a failure. And uh, I don't want to throw Scott Strohs under the bus here, but all his talk about Angular made me start to feel very nostalgic last week. And then I was listening to podcasts and they're talking about some sort of state of the JavaScript survey. And I was in some architecture office hour meetings and I watched a presentation at work uh, about React hooks. I'm a little bit overcome this week with feelings of FOMO, the fear of missing out. And I... Every now and then, I just fall into this pit where I become highly aware of how many other things there are out there, and I start to feel like I'm slipping. And even in the technologies that I know and love, I feel like I'm slipping because they're not uh, necessarily something that I put into practice all the time. And uh, I don't know. I don't love being in that mindset, but I also don't love missing out on stuff either. So it's very challenging. <laughs> so do you find when you work with something all the time, you get that feeling of like, like you said, the FOMO because you have, there's not a lot to learn from it anymore. You know what you're doing with it and you kind of reuse what you already know. So the challenge to go learn something new isn't always there. I, I think it depends. Depends on the work. So I, as everyone here knows, I work in Cold Fusion and I absolutely love Cold Fusion. And some weeks it feels really super exciting. And, you know, that usually happens when I'm working on something that I feel is an interesting part of the product and is probably user facing and is solving a problem for them. But this week I've been doing just a lot of internal stuff and that's still exciting. And I know I have quote unquote customers, right, but it's just my own team. And I'm building some stuff for them, but it it a little bit feels like doing stuff internally is a zero sum game with doing stuff for customers. 
because there's that opportunity cost. As I'm building internal tooling for our team, I'm definitely not building cool and exciting features for the users. Right. And that's, I think, emotionally very challenging for me at this point, just because I've, I've worked closely with the users and it's so exciting and you, and you see how easy it is sometimes to solve their problems. I mean, a lot of times it's really hard to solve their problems, but there's that dopamine and, and that excitement of building something for somebody, I think, removes the feelings of missing out on other stuff because you're filling that space with happy feelings about your users and about your product. But when work feels tedious, that's when I start to feel like, oh, man, there's so much stuff out there that I'm not doing. Aww. <laughs> You're talking about the dopamine hit from delivering a feature for users. Yeah. I get that as well, but I think that I also have found a way to get the same thing from delivering functionality that makes developer life better too, yes. whether it's my own or somebody else's, like making deploys faster or lower friction or anything like that. It's just anything that I know is going to be a quality of life improvement for anybody. That's my drug. Mm. I, I agree. I think I, I'm in a special circumstance in that the product that I work on has a limited lifetime. It's not like there's forever for me to loop back and build some stuff for customers. Like I have now and now doesn't last for that long. Mm-hmm. And and so when I take my eyes off the, it, it feels like that's time I'd, I'm not going to make back. That was like a whole mixture of weird metaphors together. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we followed. Uh, it's a journey. That's the journey. Are you saying, maybe it just kind of clicked for me. So you're saying that because of that reason, where you feel like you can't unfocus from client work and that's why you're falling behind or you feel like you're falling behind and that's where the FOMO comes from? It's more like when the negative feelings set in, the negativity likes company. And and so mm. when I'm feeling not negative about work, but when I'm feeling stressed about work or when I'm feeling FOMO within the work sphere, that FOMO quickly expands to be everything outside as well. So what's your action plan? Talk about learning state of JavaScript and things like that. What's your action plan to unfomo? I have this 2022 goal of trying to build something that is deployed via containers. Mm. Doing that, I think, will go a long way towards making me feel like I'm staying abreast of the cool stuff. But it's, I have not made any progress there. I just need to pick something. Yeah. Yeah. How about testing? <laughs> <laughs> We'll get you one day, Ben. We need a horse sound effect for meeting <laughs> Every the dead horse. Time. It was funny. It was like if I can tangent for two seconds. Sure. Uh, this I is was, the Ben Nadell tangent show. So <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about the movie 300. I assume everyone here has seen 300. I have maybe not. Up, maybe not Carol. Yeah, not me. It's it. early Gerard Butler. And I don't know if it's early Gerard, but it's Gerard Butler from like 15 years ago. Kind of like popularized his career. Yeah. Yeah. And there's this scene at the end where, I mean, spoiler alerts. I'm covering my ears. It's 15 years if you haven't seen it by now. (laughs) The 300 Spartans are basically at the end of what they can do. And King Leonidas, Gerard Butler, I think it's Leonidas, he he has to bow before the, I think the Persians are the uh, invading army. So he has to bow. So he takes his helmet off. And he drops his shield and, and he, then he gets down on his knees and then he, some fighting starts to ensue and then he pops back up and the narrator comes on and says like he had to remove his helmet because his helmet 
narrowed his vision and he needed to be able to see his enemy and he had to drop his shield because his shield was heavy and it threw him off balance and he needed to be able to throw his spear very far. And not to be overly dramatic, but like a little bit, sometimes that's how I... (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes that's how I think about like testing and linting and stuff. That like there are these tools that are there to protect us. But sometimes like you have to drop that armor and you, you have to take off your helmet. You have to drop your shield in order to be able to be agile and to move quickly and mm-hmm. to attack your enemies. And you die yep. quickly. <laughs> yeah. So who won that battle? The Persians or the Spartans at Thermopylae? You're missing the point. <laughs> no, no, no. You're missing the point. <laughs> and Ben, is your helmet and shield ever on? Or <laughs> I mean, you know. I know where it is. I think you roasted him enough. <laughs> okay. So my triumph this week is I didn't get fired. We t- Yay! <laughs> was it, I guess it was two weeks ago was my 10-year anniversary. Yeah. When nice. we recorded that. And uh, this is the week that episode aired. And this is the week that I actually had my 10-year anniversary. And we were just joking. Like, at the time, it would be my 10 years if I didn't get fired before, first. And- <laughs> yeah. That's when we talked about when's a good time to leave, right? Yes. <laughs> Pretty sure exactly what we said. When's a good time to leave now? <laughs> So, yeah, no, that's it. It's been a a quiet week. Some things are being worked on. Projects are hitting production, but, you know, no really big highs, no really big lows. So, well, that's good. Very cool. Stay in the course. The status is quo. (laughs) So that's it for me. Uh, Tim, how about you? So a triumph for me as well. Past couple weeks, I launched, kind of did a product launch in the dark, kind of under the cover. I don't even know, I kind of hesitate to even say if it's a product launch. So it's kind of a an ancillary thing that I did. So we have this system that handles phone calls and takes phone calls and it's IVR responses and things like that, but also sends text messages. So part of it was to be able to send out reminders and, and text messages to tell people that you know, they have a, a payment coming up or they're about their policy is about to be canceled. And I can charge for it per send. And it's like, really wasn't a whole lot of work. And, and it's like, you know, someone's like, hey, you, can you do this? I'm like, okay, I launched that. And now it's like, have like six, seven other clients lined up to take it. So it's like just bringing in extra money for really a, not a whole lot of extra work. So heck yeah, yeah, I, I call that a win. Definitely a win. Congrats, man. The, the only thing is I like can just keeping up with the laws. So they, there was some laws that came out last year, late last year about how dealing with text messages and, and like they didn't trying to reduce spam text messages. So there's some challenges there, but yeah, handling those. So it's going pretty good. So Pretty cool when you can like bring in extra revenue and and, and everybody's like, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Didn't expect that. And it wasn't a whole lot of work. So AT&T likes to block us on yeah. the regular for sending out too many text messages because our yeah. vendors will get notified when properties are available to be picked up. So mm-hmm. some of them are set that they want text notification to go pick up the property. Otherwise, they want an email. So the ones that are on text will have an order come in from some banks. And they'll have 10,000 listings on it. And we need to send 10,000 text messages out to multiple people. Dang. And yeah. Are you <laughs> sending from an 800 number? Oh, I don't know what they're doing. A toll free? Because what I learned today is if it's not toll free, the networks will limit you to like six text messages per minute. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I do know that. So, if, so but if it's an 800 number you're sending from, it's unlimited. Oh, we need to oh. go look at that. How are you doing? Because, I mean, we do some texting through Twilio, and I think we send from a short code, like a, a, one of those five or six-digit numbers, and I don't think we're limited to six a minute. I, I think short codes are also special. 
Yeah, but so yeah, it's kind of dark magic how the SMS carriers kind of deal with things. Lot, I mean, they don't really give you all the rules, honestly. Yeah, but AT and T is one of the only ones that'll block us. Yeah, AT and T is very strict. They they are very strict, but the other ones are now getting on board with it. So it's yeah. like it's going to get harder and harder to send like just text messages in the clear unless you and there's like registration. It's called uh, something ten DLC or something. I probably. I got that completely wrong, I'm sure, but you have to register like your campaign with with the carriers through oh, whoever you're doing. So Twilio has like a form, and so does all of them have a form. Basically, you can fill out to say, "Here's what I'm sending, and here's what it kind of looks like, and here's the reason I'm sending it." And once the carriers get those, they will, you know, recognize your number and say, "Okay, you're sending what you said you sent." So yeah, so I've had to fill out a bunch of those forms recently as well. So yeah. The the legislation on this is yeah you, you just got to keep up with it. But we use Twilio at work also, and in the last year or so, we've started to get notifications that certain countries. It seems to be mostly in Africa right now, where you have to go and like pre-register numbers, like instead of just having Twilio's like I, I don't quite understand because I have not been involved, but apparently you have to go through a bunch of extra special steps in order to send messages in those countries now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we don't have any customers in Africa, so I haven't run it against that. But yeah, so it's pretty cool to kind of launch something kind of in the dark that just brings an extra revenue. So when just keep doing that. Yeah, yeah. yeah seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Quietly make money. Woohoo! <laughs> hey, are you enjoying the show so far? I hope so. And if you are, I hope you'll support our sponsor and get yourself a free trial of Audible by going to workingcode.dev slash audible. You're smart people. You know how this works. You get a free book credit for the most popular audiobook service on the planet. No strings attached. And we get a little kickback from that. Thanks for supporting us by supporting our sponsors. Now back to the show. But I did have to have a lot of meetings yesterday. Yesterday was meeting hell for me. Gross. Uh, I mean, back to back to back. It just normally I don't have a lot of meetings, but, you know, guys, sometimes meetings just suck. <laughs> Only sometimes. I mean, yeah, by definition, right? Yeah. I think it's the major. Yeah. Oh, they always suck. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever been on a screen share with someone and they flip over to their Google Calendar and it's like a solid mm. wall of colors, like back to back meetings all day, all every day, all colors. week? Colors. Yeah. yeah. That was me yesterday. <laughs> I'm like, how do you even survive? When do you go to the bathroom? <laughs> Or trying to get a meeting with that person. I'm like two weeks out going, you have no free time. What are you doing for dinner tonight? Because I need to talk to you. Yeah. I mean, I'm lucky I fast like Monday through Thursday because it's like I didn't have a lunch all yesterday or Wednesday. So no like personal I just, I just time. meetings through lunch. Uh, they're terrible. And we have stand up and there's like 20 people on our team. So our 20 people that go through stand up with us. And we just recently made a change to where we try to get through everything in under 30 minutes. So that's kind of hard to do with that many people, like mm. to actually go through any information. So we're like, we no longer want to hear that you went to training. We all are forced to go to training every week. Stop telling us you're going to training. We don't <laughs> care. Everybody does it. We all know we have stand up and story time today. So let's not repeat that one again, because everyone does that as well, too. Right. So they're like, let's just go high and low. What do you got blocked on? What are you working on? Next person. We've gotten really good at it. We're down to like 17 minutes. Wow. It's pretty impressive when we can get out in under 20 minutes with that many people. I'm on a five-person team and we 
probably don't do less than 17 minutes most days. <laughs> Yo, for real. But to be fair, I mean, we don't do a real like true agile stand up. Our sort of the the CEO, his he works kind of detached from the rest of the team. So the morning meeting is like his opportunity to catch us up on what, you know, is important that happened for the whole company yesterday or this week. And so it's usually five to 10 minutes of him like catching us up on important stuff and then five minutes of around the horn for team people. Yeah, I'm on a team basically of me and then the other two guys <laughs> who used to be on my team humor me and they show up to our stand-up still. Aww. So yeah, it's really nice <laughs> That's actually. so sweet. <laughs> but the first 20 minutes of that meeting are basically... 20? Yeah, <laughs> it's basically just us BSing about work or talking about movies or or, you know, whatever. And then like, 10 minutes before it ends, I'll be like, so what's going on with you guys at work? <laughs> but so, it, it's like my social gathering for the day, really, because I yeah. don't have a ton of meetings and I don't deal with a lot of people. So for me, it's like the, the it, it's in a, in a fully remote company, that first 20 minutes of the standup is like my water cooler period. Yeah, that's also true for us, I would say, unless there's like something bad going on that we yeah, have yeah, to yeah. like get a bunch of people together in a video chat for incident response sort of thing. Yeah. Other than that, I'm unlikely to see anybody else or hear any other voices for the rest of the day. So I'm going to be just completely honest. I have a visceral hatred of meetings. <laughs> I just, I don't like them in general, particularly for just, and I do them because they're a necessary evil. And we have like a monthly, like once every, like tomorrow is our first Friday, is our first Friday in March. And we have a first Friday kind of general kind of, it's a social kind of thing. Everyone in mm -hmm. our, our group kind of get together and just kind of, hey, what you got going on? And it's kind of a very relaxed, no set agenda. But I didn't understand why I hated most meetings because I've been to so many meetings where there are like 20, 30 people on and I don't say a word mm -hmm. the entire meeting, right? And I'm not learning anything in the entire meeting. And I'm not an Elon Musk fanboy. I do, I respect him, but you know, I didn't fully understand why I hated them so bad until he, so he was interviewed. You hated about, meetings. It, um, it almost sounded like you were saying you hated Elon Musk. You're saying, I no, I don't understand hate I don't, meetings. why I hated meetings. Thank you. for yeah. <laughs> So he was in an interview and they asked about the, the, the culture at Tesla when it comes to meetings. And he said, that the culture is that if you're in a meeting where you are not contributing anything and you're not learning anything from that meeting, you're not getting anything from it, you should drop off the meeting. Don't say anything. Just leave. And I'm like, that makes sense, right? Yeah. I've been on so many of those meetings where I am not contributing. I'm not learning anything from this. Why do I need to be here? Most of the time, and I think about my actions when I'm on that call. Like, I'm on a call and I realize, you know what? I, I, there's really nothing I can contribute to this call. I immediately like start pulling up code or yep. spreadsheets or something and start yeah. working on something. I'm not paying attention at all, but I'm not fully focused on what I should be doing. And so his point was, it's the interviewer said, isn't that disrespectful to leave the meeting? He goes, no, it's disrspectful to stay. Yeah. Because, it's like disrespectful to the company. Yeah. Just, yeah. Disrespectful to yourself and to the company because you're not contributing the best you can. And so I, I, I totally buy into that now. So it's like when we have calls, I preference it with, particularly if it's one I've organized, right? I've called a meeting. I'm like, listen, we have a lot of people on this call. Here's what we're going to talk about the agenda. I think that's another important thing to have an agenda about what you're trying to 
achieve on this call. If you've looked at the agenda and you feel you can contribute, I encourage you to stay. If you are, if you look at the agenda and you really don't think you have anything to contribute, please feel free to drop off at any time. Yeah, it's, it makes me think of like when you go to a conference and you you pick a topic, but then you're 10 minutes into it, you're like, this is not what I expected mm. and I'm not going to get anything out of this. There's no value. So I should just get up and leave and go find a different topic. Oh, yeah. that's so tough. That's hard. It is. Yeah. I mean, but, you know, having been the person on the stage, I would rather everybody in the audience be glued to me, right? It, right it's better right. to see ha- a half empty audience than everybody's like staring at me intently because they're like, yes, this is awesome, than to see a, a whole audience, but everybody's on their laptops and phones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That is true. Because, see, I was thinking more of instead of leaving the meeting, I tend to just go do something else, but turn my camera off and just kind of listen to it to hear key words. So I kind of know what's going on with everything. So I have the information there if I need it, but I'm not going to put anything to it. I'm not going to use it probably, but should something come up down the road, I heard it and can go, oh, knows about this or so-and-so was working on that. I kind of know where to direct people to. The worst part is when you're in that sort of half listening state and then someone's like, "Uh, I don't know, maybe Carol, can you speak to that? And you're like, like, "Um, (laughs) sorry, the dog was chewing up my shoe. Can you repeat that? (laughs) Yeah, that that was, I was in a marketing meeting today, which I, I, you know, I really didn't care about the marketing meeting at all. And so like, I was totally working on something else and like someone all, and unfortunately, so one of my, one of my salespeople, his name is Tim as well. And so they started talking about, asking Tim questions. And I'm like, oh, and that must be the other guy. <laughs> and they're like, hey, hey Tim, is, is your, is your, are you, are you muted? And I'm like, oh, they're talking to me. I'm like, oh, no. I'm not, I have not heard a thing they're talking about. That's hilarious. I, I'll tell you, talking about a sense of respect for people who are on the call. When I was younger, I used to think, I used to love the idea of asynchronous communication, writing down all my thoughts in a document and then sending it to someone and then allowing them to read that in their time. And as I've gotten older, and I think this is maybe an unpopular opinion, I have found asynchronous communication to be more disrespectful than pulling people into meetings only because asynchronous communication feels like it's never going to end. Someone throws out a document and then people comment on it and then more people comment on it and then it gets edited and then it gets sent back around again. And it's like, it's, you get sucked into this Bermuda Triangle of, of yeah. effort. I feel and, like async works okay when it's one, like just two people back and yeah. forth. But yeah, we, especially with more than one, with, with more than two people, there's always this fear like I'm going to miss something that somebody else said after I read the document or right. something like that. Yo, even you'll be reading a document. I guess every all the document editors are different, but you'll be reading it in say like Confluence and it'll tell you at the bottom, oh, someone's new comment Someone left a comment and you're like, do I continue to read the document and then do the comments or should I jump into their comment immediately? Is it going to be relevant? It's very, I don't enjoy asynchronous as a group at all. Yeah. I'll tell you, so I'll give you an example. As much as I said, I hate meetings. This is an example where I actually love them. So yesterday uh, we had a meeting. So a couple weeks ago, a customer basically asked us for a quest. I didn't fully understand what he meant. And I realized I just, knowing the customer and just kind of kind of the nebulous nature of the request. I realized that if we did an email back and forth, it would have been like 15 emails mm-hmm. and probably no resolution. And to do that, it's going to take two days because yeah. 
you send an email and then they don't see it for an hour and a half and then yep. they reply. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So I, I just said, let's set up a meeting. We'll talk about this. And he couldn't meet until, you know, yesterday. So we met yesterday. And so we had the meeting and it was just me, him and one other person. So it was a small group. And I'm like, all right, explain to me the problem. What, what are you trying to solve here? And he explained it. And it's like had an issue where they're taking credit card numbers in advance and then charging them later. But sometimes when they're talking to a, a customer, they don't know which card is being charged, right? So they they were like asking us to build this set of reports that we didn't really have for them. And, and so in the discussion, as we talked, I mean, less than 30 minutes, he came to the realization. I'm like, well, in our APIs, you can actually do a request. You have the, the account token. You have this token. You can do a request on that token and see what the information is. And you can see what the card number is. He's like, oh... So when he came to that conclusion, he's like, okay, I, you don't need to build anything. We can do this ourselves, mm -hmm. right? We can build it and that actually would be better because you're not having to, he wanted us to build something where they would have to log into some portal and do the, it's like, we can actually do this ourselves and then they don't have to jump to another system. Mm -hmm. And so the meeting resulted in, I don't have to do anything, which I much prefer. <laughs> and so he, and he said, I'm sorry, I wasted your time. And I said, no, you didn't waste our time. You didn't waste this meeting. I said, if we hadn't had this meeting, I would have just assumed you were correct and I need to build something and I would have built something. It wouldn't have been what you wanted. It wouldn't want what done what you needed it to do. And it would have been extra work for all your users. So the fact that you realize you can do this yourself is the most positive outcome from this meeting. So that's the meeting that I like. But these meeting, meetings where you're just some sort of status meeting or just an update meeting where you're going through a laundry list of stuff just kills my soul. <laughs> yeah. So you had mentioned having an agenda is an important thing for a meeting. And I totally agree because it, it, like you were saying, it makes it really easy to see up front, is this going to be applicable to me? Is there anything I can learn from this, even if I can't contribute sort of thing? And along the line of agendas, there's something that my team picked up from, uh, I guess, some sort of Amazon manifesto or whatever about the way they do meetings at Amazon, like Amazon.com. And that is every meeting has to have an agenda and there's time set aside at the beginning of every meeting for everybody to just sit in silence and read the agenda. And then once yeah. everybody's read it, then you can have the meeting. And I really like that because it, it what it means is that nobody has to prepare in advance for any of the meetings. Yes. As long as you're subject matter. Like if you're a subject matter expert, then you're expected to be an expert. But other than that, <laughs> no preparation is needed. That makes a lot of sense to me. I like that workflow. Yeah. The one thing about it that I don't like that I found in, in my own small team is that I feel a pressure to not be the last one reading, right? <laughs> we have a system. We've tried a couple of different things over the over time, but where we've kind of landed is like everybody mutes while you're reading. And then when you're done reading, you unmute and we can see the little First. microphone. <laughs> we see the little microphone icon on your video so we can tell who's still reading. And man, when everybody else is done reading and you're only like halfway through the document, that's like, do I keep reading or do I just pretend and and no, you know, that's when you call it. them all cheaters and assume that they read it before the meeting. Mm -hmm. I, I tell you, I, so I've like tried to read like over my wife's shoulder on a page. Like, she's such <laughs> a fast reader compared to me. Yeah, I thought I was a fast reader, and then I'm like, like I'm halfway through, and she's like done. I'm like, oh my god, how'd you? <laughs> read all that so fast you know, i'm so slow i i narrate as i'm reading it's, it's almost like i'm reading a, a like winnie the pooh book where i'm like he hit the deployment said piglet 
And then he let his team know, said Digger. <laughs> um, at work, so I'm in a bi-weekly meeting, an operational readiness meeting, and we do the same sort of thing where we all turn our cameras off. and say, So we don't mute, we turn our cameras, our Zoom cameras off. Everybody reads the document. Everybody turns their cameras on as they're done. But to alleviate, I think, some of that and my last anxiety, the guy who runs the meeting, he just picks a time. So we'll come in and it's, say, let's say we start at 11 o'clock. He'll say, all right, everybody take until 11.15 to read through the document. And then if everybody undoes their video before that, he'll ask, does anybody need more time to read? Otherwise, he'll just sit there and he'll wait until 11.15, which... So if you're done already, it feels a little strange, but it, I don't know, it's kind of nice that, that there's no time pressure. Like this is, we've set aside this much time. It's not a race. But then what if you're still not done at 15 minutes? Lose <laughs> <laughs> there, lose there. But I do, I really like that. I have always hated the idea of having to read documents before a meeting. It's like, yeah. uh, it's like summer reading when you're in school. Uh, homework. Yeah. Don't give me a chore. Yeah. I'm, I'm already coming to your meeting. Putting in the meeting invite is really helpful, right? So, because it's like, particularly, it's like sometimes you're like, we need to talk about this, but because of schedules, it's not not until next week, right? Late next next week. Today's Monday, and you can't do it till Friday of next week. And it's like by that time, dude, I have no clue what we were talking about originally. So, yeah. having that in the meeting invite is super helpful. Yeah. So, I mean, we've talked a lot about things that like trying to give people an out and to, to minimizing the number of people that are there and the, minimizing the time. I guess another thing that I'm constantly aware of, especially since I work at such a small company, my whole company is five people. So that means if we have all five of us on like our morning meeting every day for 12 minutes, that's an hour of time for the company. Mm-hmm. Like that's a, that, and that's, yeah, that's a lot. So if you're building like 500 an hour. Well, yeah, I don't know. We don't operate that way, but still, still like it's people's time. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess that that math is true no matter who, no matter how big your company is. But if you instead of saying that's an hour of time, I guess another way of looking at it is like that's a, a certain percentage of our day, right? So yeah. we have five people times eight hours. That's what forty hours in a day. So that's one fortieth of our day gone. Or is that one? Mm. Yeah, math is Something. hard. Sorry. When you're on a microphone, math is hard. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> math true. is hard when you're not on the microphone. I'd also point out, so it's like, I don't know if maybe you guys can, if it's just me, but so if I have a meeting at one o'clock, right? And then I have like a 30 minute gap and another meeting at two o'clock, that 30 minutes, it's like, I'm really not motivated to do a whole lot else. No, nope. that is the best right? time to because watch I, YouTube videos. I know I can't get stuck in, right? So right. it's like, because I want, because you're, when you're having to shift between coding, and meetings, it's two totally different mindsets, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's like, how much can I get done in 30 minutes of, of coding? Maybe I'll look at something or typically I'll just kind of look at an email and, and, and try to respond to something that, that's a quick fix or something. But I, I feel that, but then again, I don't like having meetings back to back because it's like, it feels unrelenting and I, I need some time to decompress. Yeah, I need to breathe between them. I like to take that 30 minutes to go pull up what I think I might work on after my meetings are done and just kind of go ahead and pre- pre- like prepare for what I have coming up. So then I'm like, oh, I have some code to look forward to. Yes, yeah. I have something happy that comes after this meeting. There's a problem I'm going to solve. Yeah. And, and that's kind of why I, I will like block out like two to three hour portions of my day throughout the week that 
Mm-hmm. They look like because people are trying to schedule. They can like we use Teams, yeah. And so on, on Microsoft Teams, they can people can see where you have meetings, and they'll try to schedule around. I'll just block those out so that they're not. So I have like a contiguous amount of time where I can actually do uh, some coding work. Otherwise, people are just going to pop on my calendar. I didn't yeah. do that for my 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 yesterday, and that's why I wound up back to back to back meetings all throughout the day, even through lunch. Well, I think that's a double-edged sword, right? So if you don't allow yourself something close to back-to-back meetings, then you end up with two or three meetings every day for the week. Whereas Mm. the other side of that coin, the other extreme is all of your meetings in one day or all of your meetings in two days and the rest of the week is uninterrupted coding time or whatever. And I I think if I were in your shoes, I would probably try to do like 15 minutes or a half hour between each meeting, but all my meetings as close together as possible. Mm. I get frustrated because I feel like my brain is supercharged in the morning. The morning hours are definitely my most creative. So if I could choose when I was going to have meetings, I would code all morning and then close out the day with meetings because I'm sort of like mentally dragging already. The meeting's probably actually a nice refresher. I get to talk to people, get to plan for the next day. But the irony is that at my company, I almost always have meetings in the morning when I should be really focusing on squeezing as much juice out of my brain meat. People seem to love to front load those meetings. (laughs) How do your brain meat? (laughs) (laughs) That is the best analogy ever. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, people love to front load those meetings. Well, I get lucky because I work on the West Coast. So our 930 stand up is 1230 for me. So Ah, it is so quiet in the morning because I have one developer who's on my time zone. And then I have a PO who doesn't really communicate with us because he's used to communicating on West Coast. So I have a solid four hour like head start to my team before they're online and working. So I get a lot of quiet time in the morning, just like you. So I get to just code. I get to actually work. And then my afternoons are answering questions, more meetings, handling emails and stuff. So I get that out quick. So I love that. Yeah, that's cool. My my wife's family lives in Sweden and Ireland. So when we go to visit, I'll spend a lot of time there. And it's like, it's nice to be able to have that after hours when Everyone else is not working, and you're like, it's your work day. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You can get you can get so much done because so no much one's more responding. productive. Yep, <laughs> yep. Early on in our company history, Steve would work like evenings and Saturdays for that reason. Like nobody else is around, nobody's sending him any emails. It's just quiet. The phone doesn't ring, and he can get stuff done. And like, I guess when you're starting a company from the ground up, you kind of have to have that hustle on the weekends sort of attitude. Yeah. But man, that's not for me. Yeah. yeah, definitely not. So is anyone else sick with talking about the weather on meetings at the beginning? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, that in sports. It drives me nuts. I don't know why. It drives me crazy, like, to start a call and we're, like, we're supposed to start at 3. And at 3.05, we're still discussing Alabama football versus Georgia football because Georgia Go beat dogs. Alabama this Sport year. Ball. What the hell? Can we just start the meeting five minutes earlier and tell everyone the first five minutes is about football talk or the weather? Like, I I don't know why it drives me crazy. I don't care about sports. I came to do like a job and that's all I want to talk about. So it, it annoys the hell out of me. It, it's bad. It's bad. Yeah. I wish you could see my face right now because it's... Mm. Yeah. I'm totally the same, yeah. but but I know I'm guilty of it, right? It's like, so it's like you're waiting for someone to come, you know, it's like three o'clock, meeting started, 
two people haven't joined and you're just sitting there awkwardly on a team's call and you're like, so where are you guys at? Oh, Minnesota. How's the weather there? Oh, is it snowing? Because my father-in-law is British and the Brits love talking about the weather. <laughs> All they, they love talking about the weather. All, it's like this, as soon as my in-laws start talking about the weather, I'm like, oh. This is such a not interesting topic. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. There was a uh, there was a curb your enthusiasm episode with Larry David, mm. where he has to go to a dinner party. He's like not looking forward to going to this dinner party, and when he gets there, it turns out that he and his wife are not sitting next to each other. There's a science seating, and he's like, "This is ridiculous. I'm I'm not going to talk to anyone but my wife." And his wife's like, "Just sit down, have a conversation." He's like, "You know, I don't like small talk." So she's like, "Then don't have small talk. Ask interesting questions." So he sits down and turns to the guy next to him. He's like. You still enjoy sleeping with your wife? <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting question. Oh, boy. I feel like yeah. I've seen, um, it's either that clip or I've seen that episode, but yeah, that was a good one. I do love a Larry David story. But once the small talk starts, I don't know how to stop it Mm-mm. politely, right? I just feel like a complete jerk. Yeah, I think the way to do it is to be the person in the room with the authority and to just put your foot down and be like, okay, it's time. Everybody's here. And I sometimes play that role in my company, even though I'm not the top dog. But, you know, like the, it's very clear the meeting has ended and we're all just sitting there in silence for two or three minutes waiting for anybody to like pipe up with any last thoughts. And I'm just like, I guess we're done. And that's when like, oh, yeah, okay. So, and then people start disconnecting. Yeah. See ya. Have a good day. Beginnings and endings are hard, right? So yeah. particularly, it's like, all right, everybody's, no one wants to be there. Like, oh, are we done yet? Like, yeah, it's like everyone's dancing around it, kind of saying goodbye without saying goodbye. Oh, no, we are really good at ending meetings at, at Clear Capital. Like our team will immediately go, all right, looks like everybody's getting some time back. Let's get off this thing. Like yeah. we want out of the it's- meeting quickly. So it's bad because we all assume it's over with and we start hitting in and someone's like, uh, <laughs> And then we have to go to Slack and say, did he ask a question or not ask a question? We all disconnected. Yeah. I mean, that it's easier with your team but when it's with a customer, right? Oh, so yeah. There's a bit of politics there. My favorite thing to say is, well, it seems like we're done here. I'll give you back 10 minutes, minutes of your day. time here. Yep, yep. Yeah, 10 minutes of your time here and we'll, we'll wrap this up. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Click. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> done. Quickly end. Sometimes I get frustrated because it feels like the goodbye back and forth is like a four-part volley. Mm. You're like, all right, oh. I guess I'll see you later. And then I say, okay, see you later. Okay, have a great day. You have a great day. All right. Talk to you later. Then. Okay, talk, talk to you yeah. later. All right. <laughs> okay, good. okay. Good, good job. All right. So, Look forward to working with you. This isn't meeting really related, but it's goodbyes. So whenever I'm on a phone call with someone, I'm like, okay, bye. And I immediately touch the red button on my phone. Like I don't wait because I'm like, I'm assuming the conversation's done. People, She's brutal. People call me back. People will be like, hey, oh, one more thing. I'm like, no, we said goodbye. We agreed this was done. Like, wow. we're done. No more I agreed this was done. <laughs> we're over this. But oddly enough, Steve is the exact same way. So it works out great because I never offend him by hanging up on him. So nice. it's amazing. <laughs> Yo, have you ever accidentally told someone you love them in a goodbye? Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yeah, all right. Talk to you later. Love you. <laughs> like, oh, I just say that out of habit all the time. I've never done that, but someone, so I was talking to, she was like the secretary at work and, and she's like, all right, all right. Talk to you later. Bye. Love you. I'm like, love you too. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like something I would do. 
It just was a knee-jerk reaction. Love you too. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean, I care for you. Yeah. I'm not in love with yeah. you, but. Well, just like it was her like accident. It was your accident. Say it back. So yeah. And she said, I love the fact that you said, yeah. I love you too. I'm like, okay, yes. but don't take, don't read more into it than, than <laughs> it was. <laughs> I'll tell you, I one thing that I really appreciated, I worked with this guy. I don't even remember who it was. I'm embarrassed to say that. I want to say maybe it was a couple of CTOs ago. And he would get to the end of a presentation and he would say, does anybody have any questions? And he would just sit there for like a solid, he would let the silence go for like four or five minutes. Wow. And then he would say, no questions. Nobody has any questions. And then he would sit there again. Oh my wow. goodness. For like no. a solid three minutes, just waiting. And I'll tell you, at first I thought it was really awkward, but I think I grew to really appreciate it because I know in a meeting, especially when there's a bunch of people, everyone's typically embarrassed to be the person who asks questions or they're embarrassed to be the first person to speak up. But when you know that silence is not going to end, like the, the, the person running the meeting is not going to prematurely just be, all right, I guess that's it. And force me. everyone to just sit there. It grants people the permission to hesitate for a moment, gather their courage, and then come forward with a question. I, 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 I kind of like it. I bet you he took, there was a, there's a course I took called the uh, Hyman Miller Sales Course. And, and they talk about the, the concept of the golden silence. And it's, it's pretty impactful. And I've, I do use that in meetings where you ask a question, right? And people give an answer. So the, the initial answer is like, so there's a part of your brain that just says, I, I, someone asked me, a, I, I need to give an answer, like mm-hmm. the immediate kind of impulse answer. That's n- usually not the most interesting information that you're going to get. So as a salesperson, you're supposed to stop. Once they give an answer, it's you, they, they answer the question, don't respond and just wait. Mm-hmm. And typically there is like, three to four seconds of pause, and then there's a, a follow-up answer. And the follow-up answer tends to usually be the most insightful one because it gives the person's brain time to not give the knee-jerk answer, but the actual more insightful answer because they've had time to answer the question from a deeper part of their brain. And so, yeah, I, I do that a lot on calls. Like I'll ask a question, and they'll give me an answer, and I won't respond. And it's really hard. That's easier in person because you can sort of see people's body language. Right. Where they're, with their facial recognition, you can see that they're thinking about it still. But if it's a, a video call and people don't have their video on or it's a phone call, to just stop and don't respond to what they said and let them, and if they don't respond like 10 seconds, then you can jump in. But wait for that, that, that golden response uh, at the end. So yeah, it's, it's super impactful to do that. Do they give you any techniques for not making it awkward? You know, like the answer and then you're just sitting there <laughs> full on eye contact. Like, I mean, no, <laughs> staring I mean, them down for ser- 10 seriously, I mean, you'd be, it feels awkward when you first do it because your natural response is to want to respond right. immediately yeah. to what they said. But if you're just silent, it, it, it puts it back on them and it allows them time to to reframe what they said to you initially and to see if what they said was true. So, yeah, I mean, definitely try that. If you're in a call with someone, you ask them a question, you really want a true answer from them. Don't be quick to respond. Don't jump in with noise. Just wait. I like that. I, I've done it so many times, and it's amazing how much more information you get from that pause, that golden pause where you're just like, okay. Yeah. 
Nice. We're waiting. You didn't say anything. <laughs> I'm waiting for you to say something. Oh. <laughs> I was like, one, two, that was the golden three, boss. four. <laughs> I was listening to an episode of Freakonomics today, and uh, they were talking about the Peter Principle, which I'm pretty sure we've talked about on the show before. Yep. This idea yep. that you get promoted to your level of least ability. And they were talking about the, they were talking about whether or not the original observations by this guy, Peter, whether or not they could be reproduced. And there was some question about how consistent those findings were like, in that. Did you actually become worse at your job as you were getting promoted? And anyway, the, the episode sort of tangents off into what makes a good boss and this idea of like, where do bosses come from? Do they get promoted? And which bosses make people more productive? And it was interesting because what they were saying is that it's really hard to find evidence that bosses actually make anybody more productive. And when they look at all the different things that a boss can achieve in terms of outcome, they said probably the most valuable thing is reducing churn, that people don't leave companies, they leave bosses and managers. Mm. And that if you're a good boss, less people quit because of you. And that actually has the largest impact on the company overall. Which it's like one of those things I'd love to talk about, but I don't want to talk about to anyone who's actually a manager. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The people in a hierarchy tend to rise to a level of respective incompetence. <laughs> exactly. Yep. But they were interviewing a woman on the show who I think she was a graphic designer. I can't remember what she was exactly. And they kept promoting her and then she became a manager. And she was like, I hated it. It was miserable. This is not at all what I did. I, I was just like, I didn't enjoy this. I didn't want to be around people. I didn't want to manage people. It wasn't what I was good at. And she ended up going back to being an individual contributor, yeah. which I relate to. Good segue, but had nothing to do with our topic. <laughs> <laughs> we could take that to the after show, though. Mm-hmm. Sorry, it felt relevant when I was thinking about it. I don't know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, then I'm going to give you 10 minutes of your podcast time back. And uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And I guess this is the part of the episode where I tell you that uh, Working Code is brought to you by accidentally saying I love you and listeners like you. <laughs> if you like what we're doing here, you should consider supporting us on Patreon. We have a bunch of really great people helping us out over there, and we appreciate every single one of them. Special thanks to our top patrons, Monty and Peter. If you'd like to give us a hand there, you can go to patreon.com slash workingcodepod. Patronage starts as low as a dollar a month. All patrons get early access to an ad-free version of new episodes and to our after show. Did you know that word of mouth referrals are the gold standard of marketing? I just made that up, but it does kind of sound good. So please try to think of someone that you think would enjoy this podcast and suggest that they give it a listen. That's it for this week. We'll catch you next week. And until then, remember, your heart matters. And with that... I will give you 10 minutes of your day back. You stole my line. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. You've been listening to Working Code with your hosts, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. We'll catch you on the next episode of Working Code.